0: Hi, everyone, from the shores of the Gulf of Mexico here in Clearwater, Florida. Welcome to our first episode of 2022 of On the Sports Clock. I'm your host, Tyler Onstott. Uh, today's show is special. The guy I'm interviewing is someone who I grew up watching coach the Southwest Missouri State and now Missouri State Bears. He was also the last hit men's basketball coach at Missouri State or Southwest Missouri State and the first of Missouri State due to the name change of the university in 2005 I have very fond memories of watching this guy lead the Bears for nine years, which included four NIT appearances. He also previously was the head coach at Oral Roberts University and most recently Southern Illinois University. He also spent time working under Bill Self at Oral Roberts and the University of Kansas. He's now an advisor to the head coach at Oklahoma State. It is my pleasure to welcome on Coach Barry Henson. Coach, uh, how are things going? And I have to ask, being a Midwest guy from Willard, Missouri, and now living in Florida, is the barbecue still as good in the Midwest? And I'm sure it is much better than the fake barbecue we have down here. Well, I, I would agree
1: with that. Uh, the, uh, the people in the uh, on the East Coast, they don't really know what barbecue is. First <laughs> of all, it's great to be on the show. Thank you. Or on the podcast, I guess. And uh, second thing is, there's always great barbecue in the Midwest, and Oklahoma certainly <laughs> the home of oklahoma joe's is uh it's we've got quite a few tasty spots around here
0: absolutely and i have to ask you too so uh my mom was reminding me the other day she used to work at downtown barbecue in willard missouri and she said you were out there on a recruiting visit uh, they were hosting a tournament I, I believe it's the tri-state classic or four state classic and, and one of the recruits that i ended up i Ended up going to Missouri State, uh, was playing there, and she said you actually came into the restaurant and um, sounded like you had a good time there or enjoyed the barbecue. Uh, Not sure if you remember that or not, but downtown barbecue, that was my spot growing up.
1: I tell you, Tyler, uh, I, I have a I have a line that I've always used, and it's the worst barbecue I ever had was sensational. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big barbecue guy, and I always enjoy my time. The only problem that I have with barbecue places, if you have cloth napkins and it's not a hand towel, I'm probably not going to eat at those places. So uh, I'm more of a uh, butcher paper, paper towel kind of guy, or if you have hand towels, you just go to a whole nother different level.
0: Absolutely. I, I hear you on that. And and like I said, we could talk for an hour on this podcast and make it all about barbecue, I'm sure. But I want to get into uh, your coaching career. Obviously, you've been very successful. And I just have very fond memories of watching you coach. And and you know, you brought in guys who have become close friends of mine, like Trevor Fisher, who was my uh, director of basketball operations I worked under as a manager when I worked under Paul Lusk. And, and uh, Anthony Shavies uh, has become a really close friend of mine. So I want to talk about all that. And, and want to go back, though, talk to me a little bit about how you got into coaching and your story as you uh, progressed in your coaching career. Well, I wasn't going to be a coach.
1: I, I came to Oklahoma State in 1979. And I had just finished an entire uh, summer uh, speaking and introducing and traveling around the state of Oklahoma, uh, literally in the, the summer of 78 uh, and the fall of 79. Uh, to try to get David Bourne uh, elected to the United States Senate. And my whole intention was uh, he was a governor of Oklahoma at the time. And I was very fortunate. I'm a 17, 18-year-old young man traveling the state of Oklahoma with the governor. And I can remember traveling in Oklahoma Highway 1, which was the number one highway patrolman that was assigned to the governor. And I had all that opportunity and I decided to enter pre-law political science. I was going to be the next governor of Oklahoma one day, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to do that. Convince my wife that's what, what I was going to do. She married me on those premises. And then when I came to Oklahoma State, I couldn't afford to go to college, so I had to I had to work with the college study work study program back then. And and it's called Pell money today, but it, back then it was called the BEOG, the Basic Educational Opportunity Grant. And I had to work. Uh, I had to work 20 hours a week here on campus as part of my job to pay for my my schooling. And then I also worked off campus too. I, I painted houses and things like that. And uh, and then I ended up working for an office supply company and I do odds ends and jobs and all this stuff just to make it work. But about <clears throat> about a month into working here at the college work-study program, they assigned me at that time to Gallagher Hall. It's now called Gallagher Arena. And I would report every day to former Cowboy basketball players, a gentleman by the name of Sam Aubrey that played for Mr. Iba, And, of course, Mr. Iba was here at the time. And I would report to these guys and just do my chores, which were basically uh, I was a janitor. And uh, I have a great respect for anybody uh, in the janitorial business or anybody that does those jobs at night because I did it. Uh, I cleaned toilets, mopped floors, replaced things. Uh, I can remember back in the days when it was legal, They had this spray aerosol that you spray on gum. It freezes it. Now, you, you know, that may be why I've said some of the stupid stuff that I've said over my <laughs> life. I breathe so much of that stuff, but uh, <laughs> I got to the point where I was around Mr. Ivan around college basketball. And I decided this is what I wanted to do for my life. And uh, uh, I never forget. My advisor said, if you ever want to be the governor of Oklahoma, the greatest route, It's through education. If you tell teachers you're going to raise their salaries, you'll have everybody in the state of Oklahoma working for you in order to be the governor. So I thought that was a pretty good route at the time. And uh, I fooled my wife. And uh, 41 years later, we're still fooling her. And uh, here I am, a college basketball coach, which actually started coaching seventh grade AAU basketball, summer league basketball. And my first paying job was an eighth grade basketball coach here at Stillwater Junior High. And uh, I am back in a community community in which some of those eighth graders that played for me and some of those seventh graders that played for me in AAU now have children and, uh, and I see their children uh, on a daily basis.
0: Absolutely. And are you still there? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it cut out. Um, absolutely. And and so you're going up through Stillwater junior high and Stillwater high school and, and coaching a couple high schools there before getting into the, uh, college coaching ranks. So kind of talk to me. You started out as an assistant at Stillwater High School and then assistant at Edmond and then became a head coach at Bishop Kelly. What was that kind of transitioning from an assistant to head coach for the first time at that level and then going from there to Oral Roberts?
1: Well, it was it was really you have to remember back at that time that there were only uh, five classes in the state of Oklahoma. They're now six. And 4A uh, was a fairly large class. And of course, uh, the, the catch to the story is I, it, I started at the junior high level and then I worked my way up to uh, the sophomore coach at Stillwater High School. And the reason I was able to do that is because my former coach, Jerry Havens, which coached me at Marlowe High School, was now the athletic director and a head basketball coach at Stillwater. And that's, that's really as much as getting involved in Gallagher and being around Mr. Iva – and Paul Hanson was a coach at Oklahoma State at the time. As much as anybody's had an impact on me, my high school coach, Jerry Havens, probably had as much, if not more impact on my coaching career at that time than anyone. And certainly he helped me with my foundation. And then I left Stillwater, I went to Edmond Memorial, which at that time was the second largest high school in the state of Oklahoma and worked for a guy by the name of Mike Della Garza. And Jerry Havens and Mike Della Garza did a lot to shape who I am today and who I was as a coach. And then I was 26 years old, Tyler, when I got a chance to go to Bishop Kelly. And I was the youngest coach at the class 4A, 5A level at the age of 26. Nobody that age uh, could ever get a job, uh, at specifically at one of those schools. And I was very fortunate because Mike Delagarza was a, a strong Catholic and he had spoken at a Knights of Columbus. And they said, We're going to have to hire a coach. They asked Mike. Mike said, You need to hire my guy. And <clears throat> that's basically how I got hired. Uh, it's funny. I really never interviewed for any job that I ever received. I was always contacted by someone else and they asked me to come and interview. And uh, it was the same at Southwest Missouri State. I'll never forget the day I got the phone call. Uh, I'll never forget forget the day I got the phone call to interview at Oral Roberts University, and I got that phone call from Richard Roberts, the president of the university. So I've been very fortunate in my my days that people have always reached out to me, and I really never had to apply for a job. I was always blessed uh, by people reaching out to me. But that's how I was in high school, and then after six years at Bishop Kelly, I got a phone call to interview for the head coaching job at Oral Roberts University. Now, thank goodness. I, I, I've not had a lot of mature moments in my life, but uh, uh, this was one of them. I knew I wasn't ready to be the head coach at Oral Roberts University. And uh, Bill Self said, if you'll go in and talk about me, I'll go in and I'll talk about you. And they interviewed Andy Stoglin at that time, who was Nolan Richardson's assistant at Arkansas, and Tim Carter from Northwestern University out of Chicago was an assistant that interviewed for the head coaching job along with Bill Self and i And uh, needless to say, they hired Bill Self. I was able to join Coach Self's staff. I was with Coach Self four years as an assistant. And then when they hired us at Oral Roberts University, the two of us, uh, they said they had hired their head coach and their next head coach and they stuck with it. And uh, President Roberts hired me after four years being Bill Self's assistant. Uh, I was the head coach at Oral Roberts University for two years. And then on a Sunday afternoon, <clears throat> a security guard came up to my house because at that time you lived on campus at Oral Roberts. And the security guard drove up and said, uh, a, a guy by the name of Bill Rowell uh, is calling you uh, and trying to get a hold of you, uh, wants to talk to you about the job at Southwest Missouri State. So I called Bill Rowell, which he quickly informed me it was Rowe, <laughs> yep. and uh, I talked to Bill Rowe, and he said, uh, I know this is short notice, but uh, can you interview on Tuesday? And uh, my wife and I both uh, drove to Springfield, Missouri. Uh, we interviewed with Bill Rowe, and I can remember that Ed Penninger was there. Uh, rest in peace. What a great man. What yes. a great, what a great, blessing he was to that university. Greg Onstott was there. I believe Brett Dunn was there, Brett Dunn, Um, and I can't remember, but there were a couple other boosters, but uh, I remember the interview, and then, of course, I got home, and I may have interviewed on a Monday, and they called me on a Tuesday. That may have been what it was, and uh, they offered me the job, and I can remember Steve uh, was going to do a banquet uh, after their Sweet 16 run, and they asked me, to come up at that time for the banquet. And I knew uh, at that time what a great place it was and what an unbelievable spirit about that community. And of course, I'll never forget what Bill Self said, and it's so true. He said, it's the worst time ever to take that job. But he said, you have to take that job. Uh, It's such a better job than what you have now. But he said, I am telling you, this is gonna be a really tough situation for you. And uh, looking back, he was not Nostradamus, but uh, you still today, uh, Steve did such a wonderful job in that Sweet 16 run, set the expectations at a level that uh, we just weren't able to attain in the nine years that I was there. And, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm proud, uh, Tyler, of what we accomplished there. Uh, I think 2006 probably will be embedded in me for the rest of my life and 2007, when you had an RPI of 21 and and an RPI of 32 that doesn't get into the NCAA tournament. And still to this day, it's the lowest RPI ever to not be selected in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, we can cry over spilt milk or we can see how things shape our lives. And had I not been released at Southwest Missouri, Missouri State, then I would have never had the opportunity to coach at Kansas and be a part of a Final Four run and to play in a national championship game. So as we look back, uh, it's always amazing uh, how we think we're in charge, but we're really not. And uh, I've been truly blessed and I I wouldn't take my time back uh, at Southwest Missouri State. I absolutely love that community. Uh, The sting of being fired uh, has far left me. Uh, I love the people of that community. I love that region so much. And and I, as I got further and further down the line, there was really just a few people in the community that wanted to get me fired, and there was a president that absolutely opened up his ears to them. And he, he's no longer there. Matter of fact, he got fired too. So uh, the sting is no longer there. And I was hired. Uh, you know, they always tell you as a basketball coach or any coach that. Uh, <clears throat> You don't want three things you can't have happen. You can't have a new AD, you can't have a new president, and you can't have a new facility being built. And uh, I had three of those things that were in the process of happening when I was there. But I remember, just like it was yesterday, we just gotten beat at Wichita State, and I can remember we went up there and we had we had Shane Laurie in a boxing sparring helmet that we had permission to put him on the floor in case we got down to four players. We had fouled out two, we thought we were really gonna have to do it because Shane had suffered a concussion. And what we did was we went into overtime and I thought, I'll be dang, we're gonna have to put Shane out there if we foul anybody else out. But we lost in overtime and I can remember uh, Coach Rowe being extremely emotional and it's probably one of the greatest moments I've had with an athletic director I just looked at him and I said, coach, it's okay. It, it, it's okay. I said, you have, you're not my athletic director. Uh, you've been like a father to me. I don't blame you for this. We both know what's going to happen. I'm going to do my best to try to take us to the NCAA tournament. And then that'll, that'll handle all this. But if we don't, I'm not blaming you both of us sitting here right outside the media. room, crying like two babies. Like we just." <laughs> And we just got somebody got married or we'd been to a funeral and uh, I'll never forget. It's one of the greatest moments of my life <clears throat> with an athletic director because it got to that point in nine years, he wasn't my athletic director. Uh, he was a dear friend. He was a true mentor and uh, I love him. Uh, I love him as much as I love my father. And uh, uh, he was such a father figure to me. So uh, the nine years that I spent there, Some of the greatest friends, and I still have them today. Marty Prather, I still eat at Domino's just because of him. Uh, The Thompson family, the entire Thompson family, every one of them were so good to me while I was there. And and I made lifelong friends. And Bill Pitt today still will reach out to me. And uh, we'll talk. John Brinkman's the craziest sucker I think I've ever known in my life. Uh, He's running
0: for Senate now, too.
1: Yeah, and and that just, well, if he's crazy, that's where he needs to be. He needs to be in politics, but uh, lifelong friends and uh, probably one of the greatest preachers I've ever had, Dr. John Marshall there at Second Baptist Church. Uh, The community was so good. Uh, We moved my mother and father there. My father died in Springfield, and my mother died uh, uh, literally six months after moving for Springfield. So uh, it's just... uh, a really great area and the people of Southwest Missouri still to this day means so much to me. And, uh, uh, you know, we go back now and we feel like it's home.
0: Absolutely. And, and kind of going back there too. So your first game back at Missouri state, I was, that was my second year as a manager there. And, and, uh, it was my job to go out and meet the team bus to let the visitors in. And, you know, we would take turns doing that. And I said, I told us uh, Sam McMahon, who was the, director basketball operations at the time, I said, I want to be their degree coach Henson and the Salukis when they come here. And I remember, um, opening that door and seeing you walk and just seeing you, you know, kind of take it all in and shaking your hand and, and, and just saying, you know, welcome back, you know, coach Henson. And then you are warming up, I'm setting up the clock and everything. And, and you looked at me and you said, coach Rowe is coming in uh, to watch shoot around. Uh, can you go let him in? And at that point coach Rowe had already texted me that he was coming in or Sam had texted me and, and just to, just to be there for that moment. I was, I guess I could say I was the first person to, to, that you saw coming into the building, but it it meant a lot to me and the Springfield community having you, having you come home like that. And, and even though um, you all lost the game, it was just a very um, for, for those of us that grew up Bears fans, it was a very emotional and very uh, kind of bittersweet type of day.
1: It was a very emotional day. I remember that day uh, vividly. And uh, I was scared to death because I didn't know, I really didn't know how I would be received. I was I was scared to death. Mark Fisher kept telling me, "Oh, shut up." Said, Mark, if Mark could have hit me, he'd probably hit me. But he said, "You have no idea how these people love you in this community." And uh, after being at Kansas for four years, uh, being removed, so almost five years removed, uh, coming back into that facility, it was uh, it was an emotional game. And quite frankly, probably the emotion. Paul did such a great job, and his staff did such a great job. But I couldn't coach that game because all my mind was spinning 100 miles an hour. But uh, I got my mind collected because uh, after that, we pretty much uh, – we pretty much uh, <laughs> did a pretty good job there when we came to Southwest Missouri. So, yeah. Uh, I think at one time we won nine games in a row. But uh, it yep. was uh, – For me to tell you that game wasn't circled on the calendar, I'd be a liar.
0: (laughs) I went through the same thing, Coach. I was actually thinking, so, you know, I I worked three years under Paul, and then I worked a year under Kelly Harper on the women's side. And then um, I got offered the opportunity to go up to Loyola, Chicago, and uh, work under Cheryl Swoops for a year, and my first time at Missouri State, I thought of you because the emotion, now again, not everybody there knows who I am versus you, but still walking out on that court, and I thought if Coach Henson can get through it, I can sure as heck get through it, and and I did, but it was a very, very emotional time, and I was only a year removed from Missouri State at that point, so uh, I I can't, I I say I share the same kind of feelings you do in terms of the emotions, but it's a special place for both of us.
1: It is Tyler. I think the hardest, one of the hardest things was for me was that I had spent five years on the building committee and Mr. Hammonds was such a good friend. And I, I, i still to this day, tell the story every time we'd take a trip, he'd call me and and he said, you want to, you want to get on the mule today and go here or there. And, we're going to go look at this property and he would call and he called his playing the mule. And, uh, you and I just, to be on that committee and to help with the design and go through the everything and to not being able to coach and knowing that we were going to get to play Arkansas to open up the building, because the reason we were going to play Arkansas is because of Bill Rowe and myself, because we had to move a football game of all wow. things. And we coached, Row was so great at finagling. Uh, I, I get I, I get kidded all the time, but he's he he would kid me, and I'd kid him that we both still had our fourth grade milk money. But uh, one of the things that Coach Rowe did when K State wanted us to move the game to help with Auburn, uh, Auburn and Arkansas, whatever, but Arkansas and Auburn and K State were all involved in this deal. But we ended up getting Arkansas involved in the opening game, and uh, you know to just have that taken away at that time it was just it was just such a hard time and and then you know of all things the hardest thing was the hardest thing without question was having to leave the community in which i raised my youngest daughter a graduate of Glendale High School and a graduate of Missouri State University and to leave my church to leave my community to leave my school and to leave the faculty uh and the coaches that I had the opportunity to be around for nine years that was they, there was so much tied into that so yeah it, there was a lot of emotion and uh, coming down that tunnel and seeing that new facility and of course walking in and my first thing was if you remember right uh you escorted me into Hammonds because I had to go back in yes. and uh I was the last coach to ever coach a game in there and uh I remember that game. That game was great because if you remember, uh, Drake was rated uh, number 24 in the country yep. and we beat them. It was my last game to coach at Hammonds. And I'll never forget. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It may have been uh, Ron Boaz came into the locker room and said, coach, the, the fans won't leave. They want a curtain call. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I've seen a curtain call was, uh, was from the Cardinals after you hit a home run. And, uh, <laughs> They asked me to come back out there, and uh, Barry's brigade wouldn't leave, and there were fans that wouldn't leave, and they gave me a standing ovation. And even right now, I'm 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 at chills are on my my back and my spine here. But uh, uh, someone took a picture of me walking back out for the last time on Hammonds, and uh, it was uh, it was a special night. And Devin Mitchell was uh, uh, probably as best as I've ever seen a player play that night and how he dominated the game. And, uh, uh, so a lot of, a lot of great memories, Tyler, thanks for bringing them back.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and talking about a couple people there, you mentioned coach Rowe and, and I just have to say too, um, he has been a very, very close mentor of mine, and of course, his daughter, Nancy, um, and I didn't know this at the time, but, you know, I was heavy, heavily involved in speech and debate, and, and Nancy Wedgworth uh, was her name at the time. Um, she was the head coach at Parkview, and Parkview always gave me trouble uh, when I was, you know, debating, and and then, you know, so I basically, you know, grew up around the Rowe family, and, and Coach Rowe, uh, when I graduated, I, did not tell coach Rowe that i was having a graduation party until like the day of and i invited keith gunn who i was working under keith at the time uh, as the video coordinator and keith gunn paul evans and coach Rowe, despite not knowing till the day of drove out to willard to be at my graduation party and and it just meant the world to me and i always have a special place for people like that and and i remember you mentioned ron boaz too uh i remember that game after the game um He walked by me with with because at that time, if you remember, the visiting locker room was still over in Hammond's and then our locker room was over in Hammond's as well. And so we would cross past him. Ron Boas had tears in his eyes and he said he said, uh, Tyler, I'm going to going to say hi to Barry. And and so you had a special, special impact on a lot of people there. So I'm glad you mentioned Ron as well. Well, they were just uh, there were so many people that, you
1: know, one of the things my dad taught me was. To treat everybody you meet as if they're the most important person in the world and i've tried to do that my entire life and there's there's been moments when i've been uh i've let the anger get the best of me but when it comes to people and hurting people or hurting people's feelings i take great pride that i that that's happened very minimal in my life yeah. and uh i i'm i'm a people person and always have been always will be and really I really care about people. I'm an emotional guy. I always have been. I shoot. I would shoot. I would speak at. I would speak at booster luncheons and get emotional about how our guys would play or tear up. And uh, I'm the guy that the last 15 minutes of Marley and me has to have a box of Kleenexes. You know. So I just. I'm that guy. But I'm not going to apologize. That's who I am, and I've always been that person. And uh, you know, there was just such uh, a great connection because. Tyler, you don't get to spend nine years anywhere anymore in this profession. It's almost unheard of. And if you look at it, my three coaching professions were six years, nine years, and seven years. And in this day and age, that's really, really hard to do. And I, like I said, I've only been a head coach at three places, and that's going to be the it. I'm not going to be a head coach. I've had the chance. I've been here at Oklahoma state now three years. And for three years in a row, I've had a chance to go back and be a head coach. And I don't want to anymore. I've, I'm the mentor. Now I'm the old guy. Uh, I tell people, especially those that like star Wars, I just said, I'm Yoda. (laughs) I'm Yoda on the bench. And uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And I, I have this, uh, I have this ability to serve others and to be happy about it. And, uh, doesn't bother me at all. Anything that I can do to help Mike Boynton, to be a better head coach, to make him look better, to win a game, to help in a community, that's my job. And uh, I have no quarrels uh, whatsoever doing it. And nothing that he gives me is beneath me. And uh, I'm I'm just willing and ready to help because this is my alma mater. And I can't think of very many places that I would have gone back to, uh, probably limited, to two would have been here or Kansas because of my relationship with Bill Self, but I'm home uh, where I went to school and I'm home in my state where I went to high school, elementary school and junior high. So it's just, uh, I've been blessed. I really have been.
0: And and another thing too, Coach. I want to point out for our listeners is, uh, I mean, you had you've had success as a head coach. You know, you had the the NIT appearances and and arguably should have been in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, I, I remember that. You know, very. I remember sitting there watching, and when that last bracket popped up and and you know didn't get in, my heart just sank, and. um you know, should have been in, but you graduated your players. I believe it was a 90, was it 46 of 48? And please, if I'm wrong, uh, re, uh, correct well, me, but 46 of 48.
1: Was, it, was, it was 49 out of 52. Yep. And then later, one of them that didn't graduate came back and graduated. So now to make us 50 of 52, uh, we had a young man playing overseas at the time, Mike Wallace, and Mike was, uh, would have been 51. And I don't know if Mike ended up finishing getting his degree, uh, or not. And then we had another young man that would not have received his degree if the Lord Himself would have come back. So we were not going to ever be a hundred percent, but uh, we were, we ended up being 50, uh, 52, and I say 50, 49 under my direction, but Joe Bell Hopper. Uh, made sure that number 50 got through. So 50 of 52, pretty good for our guys at the time. And it's funny that you bring that up because Tyler, in all honesty, that when they contacted me about Southern Illinois University, uh, they were 342nd out of 347 schools academically at that time. And there were five. Uh, there were only five schools below us and I can remember one of our administrators when we met with the NCAA, he said, this is appalling. And uh, one of the reasons I was able to get that job was because of uh, the reputation that we had with graduating our players. And we were, uh, for those in, that are listening to the podcast, we were uh, literally at that time called APR points, three points away from receiving the death penalty at Southern Illinois University. And uh, wow. we were we were supposed to get to 800, and we were hovering uh the year before we got there, we we're like seven sixty-four on a floating or a, a rotating average, and uh, we couldn't make a mistake. Could not make a mistake, no make no mistakes. I remember Mario Mocha, the athletic director, asked 199.5. Will they round up? And without hesitation, they go, nope. And wow. uh, so we knew it was real. And uh, the first two years at Southern Illinois University, all we did was worry about academics. We couldn't even focus on basketball because if we knew we would receive the death penalty. And uh, we had already had a contingency plan uh, to play uh, 12 walk So we wouldn't lose everybody uh, if they were going to put us uh, on probation and we would play 12 walk-ons and go 0 and 30 and then come back the next year and redshirt all those guys. In this day and age, that would have never happened because everybody would have gone into the portal. So the first three years at Southern Illinois University, which uh, we had losing records all three of those years, uh, we were just paying the pauper uh, for what happened academically. And it was really hard. And it was really a hard time on me because – I'd only had, as a, as a head coach, I'd only had one losing season. And if you remember, that was when Scott Brakebill broke his arm, and he was our best player. And we played through the Valley. We literally brought Manuel Randall out of a red shirt and started <laughs> Monwell Randall as a freshman uh, for the first Valley game. And bless his heart, he looked like a deer in headlights, but uh, certainly he helped us in a tremendous amount. That's the only losing season we ever had at Southwest Missouri was when Scott broke his arm.
0: Yeah, and you you bring up um, you brought up again the the academic situation there at SIU, and and I, I like to keep my my podcast very positive, um, but I want to bring up, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because my the purpose of my podcast is to inspire, and I was personally very inspired. You know, when you're at Southern Illinois, you made some news over a post game press conference, and and I you know again, trying to stay positive, but there was a line in there that you said where, you know, if you lose your job, you have to look at your family and say, you're going to be okay. And I just think, you know, hearing that from you and and somebody who, you know, is inspiring, um, you know, when I lost my job at Loyola, I looked at my family and said, you know, I'm going to be okay. And I was, and, and so I just think a lot of good can come out of situations that maybe are what we call temporary inconveniences at the time.
1: Well, I mean, you brought up Anthony and uh, Trevor earlier on, and they would be able to tell you that we talked about that all the time as a team. We would say, you know, you think this is hard right now. Wait wait until you lose your job. Mm -hmm. Wait until you've gone to work for 27 years in a row, and you're sitting there and you're having to look at your daughter, which is at Glendale High School, or actually at that time at Missouri State, and your wife, and you're having to look at them and just say, hey, it's going to be okay. I don't have a job, but it's going to be okay. And that was the hardest part for me It was going to work for 27 years in a row, getting up, having a place to go. And the next thing you know, I don't have a place to go. Now, let me tell you something. When you're like me and you can't sit still and you're at home every day with your wife, that's not a recipe for success. I mean, that's when I took up cycling. Literally. Uh, I had a neighbor down the street and he rode a bike all the time. I started riding a bike. Well, you know, for, for lack of, of things to do, I just get on a bike, start riding. Well, sure enough, I'm riding 50 miles a day. And I'm like, I mean, because I don't have anything else to do except Wednesdays. Wednesday was grocery ad day. And i would go to about seven grocery stores because I had a game plan of where, you know, pork and beans were four for a dollar or Del Monte Blue Lake green beans were on sale. And I'd go over to a a price cutter or whatever and get something here or there. And then, but, you know, it was just, that's the only thing I had to do. Thank goodness I got hired on at Kansas in October, or I would have probably, uh, Uh, I would have been on a segment of 48 hours with my wife. One of us would have been being interviewed for killing each other.
0: yeah yeah and 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 the only reason coach I brought that up too was you know if anybody's listening and you're in a situation where something something negative has happened you know it's gonna be okay and and that you know I think we sports can teach people a lot of life lessons you know we talked about your graduation rate success you know these are these are players you had who you know can look back and say you know yeah I played at uh, Southern Illinois or Missouri State or Oral Roberts and I played in front of a sold out crowd of you know at at Bradley where you know they're serving beer on that alcohol you know (laughs) where they serve alcohol on that ice rink court they've got you know (laughs) but really that degree they're going to have is what's going to stick within the rest of their life and and what they got taught by a coach is what they're going to experience the rest of their life so I just think it's really inspiring and and looking back on your track record when when you know, obviously great. They're there, but what you did, and, and I know, you know, Trevor Fisher means a lot, or you mean a lot to, to coach Fisher and, and just so proud of him and his career and, and Anthony Shavies, and I could go down the list. And, um, so as a SMS fan, just appreciate all, all you've done, uh, for that university and, and all the stops you've been at. Well, I appreciate
1: that. I've been, uh, like I said, I go back. I think that the, the typical line that has been said today repeatedly over and over is I've been blessed. And, uh, you know, and I thought when I had that rant at Southern Illinois, that my career was probably coming to an end <laughs> and I'll never forget what Bill Self said. He, he called me and he said, this would be the, this would be the best thing that ever happened to you. And, uh, I think he's right because uh, I think it, uh, what happened was it showed everybody the passion that I had uh, for my job and for my players. And, you know, the great thing about southern Illinois and that area, that's an old coal mining area. Yep. It's blue-collar and my kind of people. And uh, just hard-working people. And Jackson County is the poorest county of 102 counties in the state of Illinois. It's the poorest county. And people in that community, they just know how to work. And they're people. And uh, and I, I just absolutely love it. And i never forget, we came back in for the very next game after that ramp, and they gave a standing ovation to our crowd and to, to me when we came out of the tunnel. And, and I just said, you know, this is, this is where I need to be. And uh, it's another community that, uh, you know, it was very, it was different than Springfield uh, because uh, it, the, the, the socioeconomic status of that County uh, versus Green County was so much uh, economically was so much lower, but the, the people there, We're used to just kind of hard times. Coal industry was uh, obviously during the uh, uh, the elections and all that stuff. It was really a high topic and and uh, people had lost their jobs. Communities that were booming at one time were no longer. And uh, it just really hard nosed, tough people. And if you look at their runs through the years where they were really good, uh, back with Bruce Weber and, Chris Painter, uh, I mean, Matt Painter and Chris Lowry, those three guys there, and even Coach Heron, they just kind of personified those teams and how they hard they played and all these things. And and I still uh, I stick by uh, what we did. Our last four years, Tyler, Southern Illinois, we were fourth, third, third. Mm-hmm. We we uh, four third, second, third. And we went from 10th when we got there to fourth, third, second, third. And I still stick with what we did and what we accomplished there why we were there.
0: Absolutely. And um, kind of talking to I know you're at Oklahoma State now and uh, want to talk a little bit about that where we get into before we get into our last segment, which is Tyler's five. Uh, but I have to ask you two two questions. Number one, what was your favorite college basketball memory as a head coach? And number two, Um, I know you mentioned earlier the Ron Boaz coming in and saying, you know, coach, they won't go home. They want a curtain call. But outside of that, what was your favorite memory at Hammond Student Center?
1: Well, let's since we're we're kind of reminiscing with Southwest Missouri State, (laughs) I think we have to. I think the best moment for Southwest Missouri State for us, I'll give you two moments that I think were really important. Uh, We were down 21 in a semifinal game to Southern Illinois, 17 at half, 21 in the first half, and it ended up being 17 at halftime. And Nathan Ballou hit a layup, I think, with around 40 seconds to take the lead of that game. And that was probably one of the best games I've been a part of. Uh, You know, while we were at uh, Missouri State and Southwest Missouri State, I think we played in three championship games. And uh, uh, I can remember getting beat by Northern Iowa in double overtime on a really bad push-in call on Tamar Macklin, and that uh, that will never – I'll never forget that call. Anthony uh, Shavies had hit a three in the corner right in front of our bench, and they called a push-off on Tamar, which was just a really, really bad call. If we hit that three, we win the ball game. Uh, I think we go up five at the time, but, uh, but I think uh, – that, that had to be but I, I think one of the what people don't know is when in 2006 when we got shunned by the NCAA of all things we had to play Stanford in the first round of the NIT but thank goodness we were at Hammonds and I didn't know what I was going to do because we were all walking around like uh, uh what's the show now that the dead people I don't watch it but uh, that dead people are walking all over. Uh, but anyway, we were a bunch of dead people walking around, mummies and stuff. And uh, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do to get these guys ready. I mean, I had no ideal. And, you know, Devin Mitchell was such a quiet kid and, and you know, hard to get these guys going. I had a lot of quiet kids and stuff. But I walked in and I just – I wrote on the board, and I don't know if Devin was part of that team or not, but uh, I remember Blake Ahern was. And I just walked in on the dry race board, and I said, I wrote the words NCAA, and then I wrote underneath it, were they right, or were they wrong? Are we right, or were they wrong? And uh, or were we right, were they wrong? And I just walked out. I just said, that's all I got, guys. And we <laughs> we came out. <laughs> You thought the place was on fire. And, uh, we had Stanford down, I think, 20 in the first half and ended up winning the game by 13. But you're taking a pack, Pac-12 team, Pac-10 team at the time, and you're just uh, – we were unbelievable. And then we – if you remember right, we beat Houston mm-hmm. and a spot at the buzzer, and then we go to play Louisville to go to Madison Square Garden, and uh, there was no way in the world we were going to beat Rick Pitino – on his home court at Freedom Hall. Uh, That that just wasn't gonna happen, but uh, I was really proud of those kids. Those would be two moments that were really big for me.
0: Definitely, and I remember those uh, the, the, those games quite well, and, and like I said, I didn't mean to make most of the podcast about S- S- SMS slash MSU, but being my alma mater, of course, it was naturally going to be, be uh, kind of the course for the conversation, but I do want to talk about, too, uh, what you're doing now at Oklahoma State and kind of what your day-to-day duties are and, and uh, how everything's going there. It's going great.
1: Uh, I come in every day. I I evaluate everything. Uh, as I told you, uh, I may end up cooking for a tailgate. Uh, I may have, uh, uh, kids come out to the house that need help with something or this or that. Uh, I may watch a game and tell coach, this is what I think we can do. Uh, I evaluate practice. I keep notes all the way during practice. Uh, during the season, I'll give a report to coach almost daily. Uh, right now this time of year maybe once two three weeks uh coach will come by my little cubicle and we'll visit uh i'm basically uh I'm, I'm an analyst i i and I, i'm not the analyst where the, a computer type guy i'm an analyst that i just try to analyze what's going on with our guys and i give coach my opinion and he asked for it or if any of these assistants need help Hey, we're looking at this kid. Will you look at him on film? Tell me what you think. I'll do that. Uh, I can't be on the floor coaching, uh, but I can be on the floor observing. And uh, I can't go on the road recruiting, uh, but I can certainly, when recruits come in, uh, I can be here for the official visits and uh, the unofficials and be around the parents and help as much as I can. And then I do a lot of speaking opportunities that, you know, head coaches, they just can't get out as much as they want to, And they get so many speaking opportunities. So (laughs) I try to take a lot of those off the coach's list. And uh, I do a lot of speaking. And uh, uh, I spoke uh, uh, last week in Oklahoma City. Uh, I just came back from the United States Basketball Writers Association and spoke at their uh, end-of-the-year college banquet there at St. Louis at the Missouri Athletic Club. (laughs) And uh, uh, so I, I do a lot of speaking, Tyler.
0: That's awesome, and and I've watched on YouTube a couple of your your speakers, and I could definitely see where uh, you you would have made a good governor too back in the day. But but I think uh, like you said, you're blessed with the the coaching and the opportunities. And and with that, I want one more question before we get into our last segment, Tyler's five. Um being this is how successful you were in coaching and and just life in general and and helping people. What is some advice you would give our listeners who want to coach or even if it's not coaching want to aspire to be whatever it is they want to be for their career? What, what piece of advice would you give them?
1: Well, I, I, I think, well, it's, it's, um, let let me give you, uh, let me give you four things that I think are really important. Uh, number one, you got to work your ass off no matter what it is, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's doing your homework, whether it's your job, whether it's how you, uh, act around people, you have to work your ass off each and every day. Uh, number two, you got to pay attention. I I just think you have to pay attention to people around you, pay attention to details, completely pay attention. And that's really hard to do do in this day and age because we are in in an attention span deficit society right now. Uh, Third thing, I think you got to fall in love, Tyler. And I'm not talking about with a person, whatever you're going to do in life, you got to fall in love with it. And if you don't have something that you're in love with, you better find it because you're not going to be happy. For 41 years, I have not gone to work. For 41 years, I just woke up and had an opportunity to do things uh, that I really enjoyed doing. And I think the fourth thing is it's really important to me. You've got to engage. You've got to engage with people every day. And you have to do that on a daily basis. And I, one of the things I go back to what my 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 dad taught me was treat everybody you meet as if they're most important person in the world. My dad was a minister and uh, my dad was the guy that uh, was the counselor and the preacher and uh, uh, my dad was the guy that showed up to the house when someone had just passed away or showed up to the house to let someone know that one of their loved ones had passed away and I watched my dad do that uh, all throughout my life. And that's a hard thing to do. Uh, When you have to tell somebody, one of my dad's favorite stories to tell is the hardest thing he ever do was uh, he had to wake up a little girl at three o'clock in the morning because the father couldn't tell him, couldn't tell her that her mother had passed away. And my dad had to do it. And he said, it's the hardest thing he's ever done. And you just in life, we just we have to have a mission statement. We have to have a game plan and you got to wake up with that every single day and you just got to try your best to do that and uh, as i said uh, you know i i've done i've done some really stupid things in my life and i've done some things that uh, that i really regret but doing all of those times every one of those were opportunities that allowed me to learn or to get stronger or to get better because it's the only way we can So if you're not making mistakes, if you haven't screwed up, if you have done stupid stuff, then you're not learning. And the learning process is that you learn from those things that you did. And my wife said, until they they come up with a surgery that will put a speed bump between your mouth and your brain, we're still going to have to learn from our mistakes on a daily basis. (laughs)
0: I I could see Angie saying that because she said that I think verbatim those exact words on the Dan Patrick show the day after that uh, that post game yeah. press yeah
1: that's exactly right and she's still right today
0: <laughs> awesome well uh, coach I really appreciate all of that and and again it's just great to to not only reminisce about uh, Springfield Missouri but just just your coaching career in general and I really enjoyed you know, watching you as a coach and your staff, and you use the term throughout the podcast that stuck with me, the word we. Not once, coach, did you ever say, you know, I did this or I did that and me, me. It was we because, and, and by we, I know being a former coach myself, you're talking about everybody from the managers, players, you know, Angie, your kids, you know, athletic directors. And I think that's really important in coaching too, because it's, it's, it's about the team and it's a we. And so I just really appreciate that, that um, kind of mindset as well about you.
1: Well, I, I, I hope so because it is we and uh, Tyler, I've not done one thing in my life that I created on my own. Everything I either Stole off looking at your paper during the test or, <laughs> or sneaking a recipe. Uh, you know, uh, People brag on my brisket all the time. And I go, well, you could thank Terry Black for this out of Super Smokers in Eureka, Missouri. Because he taught me how to do this. Or now I get all of my tricks betrayed from the guy that was b- our dead gum beat writer. Lyndall Scranton is now yep. like the barbecue connoisseur there yeah. in Springfield. So now I'm learning from Lyndall. But uh, yeah. Everything that that I've been able to do in my lifetime is because someone else taught me. And uh, I, like I said, I've, I've been very fortunate.
0: That's awesome. And, and again, Coach, really appreciate you taking time to do this. And I tell you what, uh, we will uh, – I'm going to come to a game. I promise you this year I'm coming to a game in Stillwater. And, and if you don't mind not to put you on the spot, but I would love to try some of your barbecues sometime. Specifically, I'm a big brisket fan myself. so. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, brisket, it, 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 you can't cook brisket until you read the book of Job. Yeah. Yeah, because cooking briskets, you have to be a patient person. And yes. uh, I'm not a real patient person. So, but uh, I'm proud of my brisket. And uh, uh, I don't know if you remember, Tyler, but we used to do media day. We would serve mm-hmm. all the media barbecue. Yep. And it never ceased to amaze me that there's probably three people that covered. Southwest Missouri State basketball religiously. But on media day, we'd have 150. <laughs> we'd have everybody from kicking cowboy country to the classic rock station coming in. And I think all they ever did was give the scores of the games. But, uh, but man, on media day, man, we had a lot of people showing up, saying they were interested in the bear.
0: <laughs> absolutely i i could i could definitely see that and, and like i said i i enjoy i've uh i've got a smoker that i got uh when i was living in st louis and i uh i love firing up the the smoker here and put barbecue in but there's just nothing like midwest barbecue and every time i go home that's that's uh what i crave so uh um yeah anyway are you ready for uh tyler's five which is just five um, kind of get to know you questions that have absolutely nothing to do with anything. It's just kind of made to put you on the spot and and uh, get to know you a little bit better.
1: You bet, buddy. Let's go, Todd. All go right, to
0: first go. one, and of course it has to be about barbecue. You got to tell me your favorite barbecue spot.
1: Well, that's that's impossible because there 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 just so many. And uh, I, I I I will tell you this one thing that I did when I went out recruiting before nine eleven happened. No matter where I went, I would always find a barbecue place. I would buy the local sauce. I would go out into the parking lot after I ate there, and I would write a review of that barbecue place. And I would bring a menu home. If it, they didn't have a take-home menu, you know, I'm I'm just going to have to admit this when I get to the Golden Gates, but uh, or the Pearly Gates, I'm going to tell the Lord I did steal a few menus in my day. But uh, I I I still have that file. It's probably, I bet, shoot, Tyler, I bet there's 200 menus in there, but I've had some great barbecue over the days. And remember my favorite line, the worst barbecue I ever had was sensational. So I love, I love barbecue, buddy.
0: Absolutely. And you'll love this story talking about traveling. So, you know, I do a lot of traveling and every time I go, I don't take the menus, coach, but, uh, and you can ask my parents, um, they've got barbecue sauces at their house from from Christmas that I could not fit in my checked in bag. I will go to uh, like when I live in St. Louis, I love the Schnook's spray barbecue sauce. And I bet coach, I bought 25 bottles of their barbecue sauce to bring back to Florida. So, uh, even though it's not menus, I, uh, Sure do fly down a lot of barbecue sauce to Florida from places I'm traveling.
1: <laughs> well, one, thing's, one thing Florida's got, and I, I know they've got this because up in the northern part of Florida, they've got Sonny's Barbecue. And Sonny's yes. Barbecue is pretty doggone good. Yes. And, and Dickie's is starting to get into the areas. So you, you're you're the, the Florida people are, uh, the, the rescue is coming. Just yes. hang on and be patient.
0: Yes, we've got a sunny's about two miles. I, I live in Clearwater. Uh, we got a sunny's about two miles north that I frequent. So uh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that you give them the vote of confidence. Maybe it's not fake after all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question: If you could vacation for a week in one place, Coach, where would it be? Uh, anywhere in the United States. I'm not.
1: Big <laughs> I'm not a foreign traveler. And here's the funny thing, Tyler. I'm a bad, bad vacationer. I don't do vacations very well. Uh, I I can't sit still. I've always got something going on. So if all honesty, to answer your question, if I could just spend at my house for a week and do whatever I want, that'd be the greatest vacation for me and the worst vacation for my wife. uh, I, you know, after all of those years of traveling and recruiting and being on the road, it just got to a point where you didn't want to travel anymore. I'll tell you how much I traveled. I just told this story yesterday. I am a titanium lifetime member of Marriott. I do not have to stay in another Marriott hotel my entire life and I'll still be a lifetime member. And I checked my points a couple of weeks ago because my wife wanted to use a room. I have 1.5 million Marriott reward points. Wow. I'm not, it, well, it just tells you I'd stay and get these points. But I never go use them. I'm a bad vacationer, buddy. I, I need
0: know. to. I need to get on your schedule because I. Uh, I fly. I've been in New York City the last like four weeks. You know, I fly home. I play hockey part time, or I say part time. It's like a beer league. You know, here in Clearwater, and, and just started playing about four months ago. So I'll fly back for my hockey games. and fly back to New York City, and it's like that. I'm like, you know, I practically live on a plane. So I need to get on your. I need to get your mindset and learn to stay home. <laughs> third question thicker thin crust pizza
1: oh thin Uh, at this at my age no question thin i don't need anything thicker on my plate because i've got the thicker in the body so i'm a thin i'm a thin guy i'm a thin and crispy guy uh marty knows it's going to be for those that don't know know marty prather marty prather is probably one of the most famous guys at a baseball stadium of all time (laughs) they call him marty the sign man And uh, you can watch any Cardinal broadcast and see him holding up signs. And he's probably the wittiest person I've ever been around. But I'm I'm a thin pizza guy.
0: Yeah, and it's funny you bring up Marty. I, you know, I know Marty, of course, and uh, when I was living in Chicago and working security for the Cubs, you'll laugh at this. So, uh, you know, there, there's a rule at Wrigley Field, um, you know, you can't obstruct views of fans. And one of my supervisors comes over and says, there's going to be a guy who's in your section. Um, his name's Marty. They call him the sign guy. And I said, uh, they, they said, um, you know, he kind of let him do his thing. That's what he's known for. And I said, I know Marty. I said, I've known Marty probably probably longer than you've been working here at Wrigley Field. And they're like, well, how do you know him? And I told them the whole story. And I'm like, yeah, I'm very familiar with Marty. He's a great guy. And uh, uh, his chains make a very good pizza down there for sure.
1: Well, you could do a whole podcast on Wrigley Field and Chicago pizza. I know that. And then Cubby Bears right across the street was owned yeah. by a Southern Illinois University Uh, alum and a really good booster of the program
0: oh wow okay i did not know that that's that's good to know i i spent most of my time at murphy's bleachers behind center field uh but i'll definitely uh definitely go in there and support that uh the saluki alum there next time i'm back in chicago
1: and with chicago uh you 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 could just go ahead and go to portillo's for me because i am a uh, i am a portillo's alumnus
0: Oh, that is awesome! I will definitely do that. I'll uh, I'll text you a picture of my sandwich when I'm there. Thank <laughs> you make you jealous. Fourth question: Favorite movie, Coach?
1: Oh, I I think it, it would have to be Field of Dreams. I just absolutely loved it. I have you have loved, it, loved. Have it, you been loved to Field it. of Dreams? I have not. Uh, Mark Stilwell has been there. Uh, Mark Stilwell was my sports information director for years. At uh, Southwest Missouri State, Missouri State, and brought me back uh, a baseball from there in the field. And of course, when the baseball team, when the Major League Baseball had the field there, uh, or the first game, uh, I cried like a baby. So, uh, but I would have to say, of all all my movies, uh, and you know, I I, I loved Hoosiers, but uh, field of Dreams was my uh, probably my favorite movie.
0: That's great. You definitely have to get up to Dyersville. It, it's just a neat atmosphere up there. And it's one of those where um, I, I think the most touching moment for me when I was there was was being able to play catch with my dad and and being able to just kind of share that bond. It brought back, you know, emotions of watching the movie. So definitely a place uh, you, you need to visit despite, you know, and you can even use your Marriott Rewards members. I'm sure there's a Marriott <laughs> somewhere around there. <laughs> Last question, Coach, and I'll let you go. Uh, favorite band. Oh, the Eagles. No, no
1: ifs, ands, or buts. I got to see them in 1976. I got to see them in 1980 and I was scheduled to see them when I was, uh, assistant with Bill Self, uh, at ORU, but Glenn Fry had, uh, he uh, got, uh, had, had to have surgery or something. And, uh, and then of course Don Henley played right there in Hammond center and got to see him there. But, uh, I'm a forever Eagles fan. I loved them. And, uh, uh, I, I just, uh, you go to their concert, and they could play three hours of all hit music. So no question. i'm I'm an Eagles, and I love all sorts of music. I really do. Yep. I am a uh, I am very diverse in my music and uh, what I love but the Eagles, buddy, that's my band.
0: That's awesome. Coach Barry Henson, thank you so much. Uh, please tell the family hello and, and uh, really, again, just enjoyed our conversation and and really admire what you've done in your coaching career and, and how you've been a big influence on a lot of people, and, and including myself and uh, uh, looking forward to getting to Stillwater and hopefully maybe catching up and having some barbecue when I'm down there.
1: That sounds great, Tyler. Thank you. And hi to your family as well. And, uh, Uh, I I send some of that Florida weather, the warm weather, not the hurricane weather, (laughs) to Oklahoma. But thank you. God bless you, buddy. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you, Coach. Coach Barry
1: Henson.